0: Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to highlight a few verses here. Verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16. We're just going to look at those verses for now, then we're going to go to 1 Peter. Matthew 6, verse 2. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Verse 5, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Look at verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Look in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, look at verse um, 25. Pardon pardon me, Matthew 23, verse 5. Matthew 23, verse 5. But all their works, referring to the, the hypocrites here, all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost seats at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. Look at verse 25, Matthew 23, verse 25, Matthew 23, 25, and look what it says there, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and And of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter. The outside of them may be clean also. We'll look at a passage in Peter in just a minute, but we're going to talk today about just putting off hypocrisy and putting on sincerity, putting off hypocrisy and putting on sincerity. Lord, thank you for your words uh, today. we are very privileged um, in this day to have accessible copies of your words in multiple, in, under multiple uh, media outlets and ways. Thank you, God. We're, we're, there's no um, complaining that we could have that we don't know what you say. It's right. obvious. And thank you. So now give us, a, open our mind up and open our heart and make us teachable and uh, p- plug the, uh, put the seed in our the soil of our heart and let us grow from the message today and be helped. And I pray your uh, blessing on Brother Rusty as he teaches our children, and uh, we're glad for him, and, and Lori, bless them today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, back in Matthew, <clears throat> um, this is interesting. If you look at the word uh, hypocrite, there's hypocrite, hypocrite's... Hypocrisy, hypocrisy it's kind of four different ways of saying the word hypocrite. <clears throat> if you do a word search in the Bible, from what I found when I did a word search, the word hypocrite in some form is mentioned more times in the book of Matthew than any book in the Bible, um, the bo- and it's by Jesus saying it. Jesus, as, he is, as it's recorded of His ministry and His teaching and His preaching, Jesus was constantly, as recorded by Matthew, trying to rebuke hypocrisy. And He was pointing it out in the Pharisees and the scribes who were the professional, professionals, you know, the religious elite. And I think it was over 15 times that I counted in some form the word hypocrisy is used in the book of Matthew. Well, <clears throat> Jesus obviously is trying to tell us something. He's got His disciples... You follow the four Gospels. He's got disciples, right? The 12 main disciples. And he's teaching and preaching to them. And he's trying to uh, teach them Christianity. You know, Not just religion, but a relationship with them and how to follow him. And he is contrasting what he wants from them with what he sees in the current religion of their day, which was the Pharisees tended to be right-wingers, Sadducees tended to be, religiously speaking, left-wingers. And he's like, these guys both have problems here. Especially, both of them were hypocritical. That is, they acted like something they really weren't. And he was trying to teach his disciples to be true, be real, be sincere, be genuine. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is acting. And hypocrisy is not where you know something's wrong and you tell somebody that something's wrong and you sometimes fail at it yourself. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a hypocrite. I mean, sometimes I I teach my kids to be kind and sometimes I'm not kind, you know. But I don't act like I'm never kind. I admit it. I'm like, okay, I messed up there, you know. If you're acting like something that you're really not, that's hypocritical. If you, you know, it's like, you know, you're trying to teach your kids this, this, and that, and sometimes you fail in it yourself, but you admit it, that isn't, you're not necessarily a hypocrite. You just admit that you've sinned too. But to prop, um, to uh, present an outward, like what it says, you're in, I hope, you're probably still in Matthew 23, verse 25. What do you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? You make clean the outside of the cup. The platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. So that's a definition of hypocrites. They, they have the the window dressing. And the things look good on the outside. Something else is different inside. And so Jesus mentioned it so many times that we got to fight against it. We got to fight against it. You know, I (coughs) um, does anybody collect coins? I have a few. I don't collect them. I actually had to sell some. I'm like, I could use some money here, you know. Uh, some. I think my kids have a few coins. I think maybe, you know, maybe even Gideon still has a few. He moved out. I need to tell him, hey man, you got some silver here. Um, and maybe I don't know. My my grandpa Morgan used to give me a, uh, about every year. He'd give me a silver, Troy ounce of silver, you know. And uh, one year he gave us a tenth of gold. Right? That was nice. That was worth a lot. And uh, we had to sell that, though. <laughs> we needed the money. There's some times, hey, you know, <clears throat> I'm not waiting for some kind of you know zombie acop- apocalypse to say, "See, I'm glad I saved all this gold. Now, what am I going to do with it?" You know. <laughs> but anyways, I. Um, so you know, you collect. Co- people like coins, and in and, and, But you yeah, notice what it says on the coin: 99.999% pure, whatever, silver, gold, the Troy ounce. We like pure. Things, you know, uh, you know, they, when the, somebody finds—I I, I don't know a lot about this—but if somebody finds silver, whatever, they, it's nice. But they want to purify it, make it pure. Apparently, with gold, I don't know what that's like finding gold, but they—they want to, you know, they refine it. They want it pure. They refine it several times, so that it, all the dross is out and whatever the impurities of it <coughs> that was mingled in it when it was found in nature. Get out towards pure gold, pure silver, and we put a premium on that which is absolutely pure. Right? You want? Does anybody want some milk that's kind of tainted? You know? Anybody want water? You know? You have water; it's a little bit tainted. Smells funny. I mean, you ever get an old bottle? You know? I sometimes I I clean out my van. I open one of them. Oh, there's a water bottle. Good. I was thirsty. I go like this. Oh man, that stinks. The last person to drink out of that was one of my kids who didn't brush their teeth the three days beforehand. Took one drink, capped it, and I picked it up a week later and like, oh, that's net, or maybe it was mine, you know, but, you know, that's like, man, I, you, we like, don't we like pure things? We like that. We're like, yes, something pure, something clean. We value that. Um, it's pure things, things that are pure in, by way of eat, eating, drinking, clothing, are attractive. Pure things are attractive. I Yeah, I, I don't want something that's not. And, and I'm just saying that I'm speaking now to Christianity. Christianity, um, unfeigned Christianity, if we wanted to make it attractive, that's not our goal. But if we wanted to make it attractive, unfeigned Christianity is would be attractive. Hypocritical Christianity we know is not attractive. What's the one criticism people say? Oh, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Blah, blah, blah. You know, people say that. And it's usually because maybe they've seen one or two people that were a professing Christian that was probably close to them or a relative, and they were living a double life, and it made them go, I don't want that. Now, that's not fair for Christianity because the, this really happened, and a resurrection really happened, and the Bible's still really true. Okay. The people that try to live it fail, so that's not always fair to let us failing hypocrites. Uh, you know, this is still true. All right. So, but but what happens? People, are like, I don't want any part of that. <clears throat> so it, it destroys the curb appeal for them of Christianity. They don't even want to look into the cross and the resurrection. Um, so, so or somebody sees some big name preacher, some famous. preacher, Celebrity preacher, and all of a sudden, man, that guy's a womanizer or whatever. Like, that's what it's about, and they throw it all out. And uh, hypocrisy is disgusting, and it doesn't do Christianity any good. I do want to do everything I can to make an appeal for people to consider the claims of Christ, and hypocrisy would get in the way of that for all of us. But pure things are attractive. I I remember... um, uh, you know, look, we all have a, we can all have a tendency to 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 fail or to be a hypocrite and sometimes we just need God to show us if we are. And Jesus certainly did that here in the Gospels. Look back in Matthew 6, he just says, be not. Um, now Jesus had three areas in his day that he picked out. <clears throat> he had three areas of um, Hypocrisy, at least in chapter 6 that he identifies. Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Alms were not tithe; Alms were just charitable giving. And Jesus says, okay guys, your charitable giving, don't do it in a way where it's like you're advertising it before men. That's what the hypocrites do. They want people to see that they're giving a big donation to the poor. Jesus says, be not as the hypocrites are in the area of alms giving. And then he says in verse 5, he takes several verses to talk about prayer. He says be not like the hypocrites, the actors in regards to the practice of prayer. He says look what it says verse 5, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Don't be like the actors. They love to stand praying in the synagogues to be seen of man, etc. Don't be the one where it's like the only time you really pray is when people are looking. So Jesus talked about don't be a hypocrite in regards to your giving in regards to praying, and then in fa- regards to fasting, verse 16. Moreover, when thou fast, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. So it's not like these are the only areas, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. But Jesus saw those areas standing. hey guys, don't be like them, where you're you're pretending. Um <clears throat> I remember. I. This is funny. There was a guy <coughs> named my dad and I called him Johnny Hammer. Um, so my dad and I ran a body shop, and and uh, kind of a we had a guy come in. I can't remember if Dad hired him or another guy, but we had a guy come in as kind of like subcontracting type of thing, and he was a he was a. They don't have very many of these guys anymore. We call him a metal man. He can just. He can take a – so what we did is we we would fix damaged body parts on a car. I mean, I'd hammer them out and sometimes heat and shrink them and do a little bit of filing, but I'd still have sometimes use a little bit of bondo. I'd try to use a minimal amount and then et cetera. So I can do a little bit of metal work, but there's these guys that are metal men that can just hammer and file and heat and shrink, and, I mean, they're just – they could get to where you could have a, a, a panel that's been crunched and they bring it back to life, and they get it, they'll get it all uh, back original and down. To, it's filed, and there's no, no body filler in there, no bondo, just maybe some primer. Well, that's what this guy Johnny Hammer was. Now, he was probably in his 50s or 60s when we had him come in and do some work for us because the, the one customer didn't want any bondo on a certain body part of his 30-something Ford. And so Johnny would Johnny was working there, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, maybe a week or so coming in every day. He he kind of slow, come walking in. How you doing today? Had his pipe, you know, had his pipe and he would get doing this thing ding 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 <laughs> ding. File ding 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 file, you know, and then he would get a, he had a, a torch, sometimes he'd heat it up and smack it and throw a cold rag on it and shrink it. And he, there's just an art to it. Um And so, but he, man, he likes smoking that pipe, smoking that pipe all the time. Smoking that pipe, smoking that pipe, you know. And I don't know a lot about pipes. I know cigarettes are bad for you. I'm assuming the pipes are too. You know, if you're smoking stuff and just, it's going right in your lungs. (laughs) So, I mean, it kind of smelled nice. I'm like, that's an interesting smell. But I know I'm not supposed to be sucking that stuff in my, you know, my lungs here. Anyways, he's smoking his pipe and everything and, you know, you know, it was fine. We, I didn't go stand over it and breathe it in, but, um, and he's doing his thing, and then I, I would go, I was going in and out. I was painting something in a paint booth, and, um, uh, you know, I'd have my respirator on, and I'd come out, and, and I come, and then I, then I, then I go to some other place, and, and, um, uh, and I was sanding, and when I'd sand, I'd put a dust mask, and to protect my lungs from the dust, and, and, um, and I remember it kept coming in and out. And one time I think I forgot my dust mask and I was just doing something real quick and I came back in. And I was like, man, I forgot my dust mask. And so I, I came back in and Johnny Hammer seen me come back in. The, I say come back in. There was two different stalls I was going from, little garage spaces I was going from. And Johnny would see me come in. He's like, he'd see me all dusty and he'd see me blow myself off. He's like, man, that stuff's not good for you. All that dust and all that painting. I was like, I know. He goes, I'll tell you one thing. That stuff will kill you. <laughs> That's what he said to me, and he even did that thing I'm like, and he, I was like, "That is so funny, Johnny. I don't know if he was trying to be sarcastic, but I walked around and was like, "That's so funny. you know That stuff will kill you, yeah. yeah. Well, what kills you will smell a little better than what kills me, but anyways. Anyways, you know, we can be like that, right? He may not have even known that. And I can sometimes, I think, am I being a hypocrite in some area? You know, I have to try to check myself out. And that's what you should ask yourself today. Am I being a hypocrite? Inconsistent? That's an aspect of hypocrisy or um, acting like you um, are not a certain way. Let's just consider a couple truths here. <clears throat> um, we are, first of all, Hypocrisy can be perpetuated. Hypocrisy can spread. Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. Just, We're going to consider a few truths about hypocrisy with the goal of just saying, I'm going to shove that out of my life. Luke 12, verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, He began to say unto unto His disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Leaven is something that's like a bacteria or a fungus. I can't remember which one it's technically classified as. But... Let's just say it's a bacteria, and um, you get it in clean dough, pure dough. You get a little bit in there, and it spreads. You know, you want to keep your. If you don't want to leaven your bread, if you don't want puffy bread, keep the, you know, the fungus, the leaven, the, away from it. Um, but Jesus says for the disciples, he said, listen, beware the Pharisees and Sadducees. Beware of their leaven, their bacteria. You know what their bacteria is? Hypocrisy. If you're hanging, in other words, this hypocrisy is like a package of leaven. Okay? You hang around people that are like hypocrites all the time, you're going to develop a hypocritical Christian lifestyle. We'll develop a hypocritical, in other words, we'll develop a lifestyle to where, hey, it doesn't matter if I really read my Bible at home. As long as I bring the King James Bible to church. Okay, I bring a King James Bible to church. Do I read it in the week? It doesn't matter. I bring one to church. I'm a Baptist, brother. <laughs> or a good hypocrite Baptist, too. To where it doesn't matter if I really pray on my own. I pray at church. That's what people see. Do I pray up? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I really, um, I really appreciate good music. You know, It doesn't matter if I listen to really bad, filthy music on my own. As long as I say amen to the hymns and stuff like that here at church. That, that, hey, we got that. We're keeping that propped up. It doesn't matter if I'm kind to people in my personal life and, and I'm, a, um, I'm a patient Christian. It doesn't matter if I'm like that in my home or my workplace, as long as I am at church. Well, that's hypocrisy. We can get to where it's like, hey, I keep the stage life propped up pretty good. doesn't matter what's behind the stage. I've told you before, when I worked at a camp in in Flagstaff, we had this thing called Little West Branch. It was like a stage, it was like a Western stage. And there was a little, kind of little seats out there And um, it was an outside thing, and kids would come, and we would do skits for the kids and the teens and the families that would come for different weeks of camp, and we'd do fun stuff. And the stage looked pretty neat. You know, it kind of had like a thing, I think, that looked like a jail and a thing that looked like a store and something else that looked like maybe a hotel and a restaurant. And it was just like a nice little stage in the back, kind of the, um, you know, the stand-up thing that, you know, it's a pretend storefront. And that was pretty neat. We, they kept it up. They kept up, you know, the look of it and painted the, the words on it. And they kept it up well. But I remember when I'd go in the back, because sometimes I'd, I would be in a few of the skits. When you go in the back, it's like, man, it was a mess back there. It was like cobwebs and there's like uh, all kinds of uh, pine needles and things. And it was kind of broken. It was, just looked like a mess back there. And then after, a while, after a while, I realized during that summer, I'm like, it didn't matter if it was messy back here. It didn't matter. As long as it looked good on the stage, we got through that summer. It was good. All the kids happy. It was happy. They didn't know. It didn't matter if it was all dilapidated. But see, that doesn't work good with us as Christians. It can't be just like, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm blowing it at home. As long as it looks good on the stage, it doesn't matter if I'm. If it doesn't matter if I have really bad language with everybody else, as long as I have good language on stage of Christianity. No, Jesus says, put it. Let's let's no no. That's that's that's. We can't have that spread. That's hypocrisy. I gotta be consistent where I'm at. That's what Jesus is calling us to be and do. We're prone to it. Pe- hypocrisy is perpetuated. Hypocrisy we're prone to. Look in first Peter 2. Before we get into 1 Peter 2, he describes a pure Word that purifies the soul, that is the Word of God, and now he describes that we should have a pure Christianity. 1 Peter 2, verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted... That the Lord is gracious. Notice verse 2. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, Lay aside hypocrisies. That's interesting. So the idea, whenever you read an epistle to a church or epistle to Christians, you're reading it, and the the author is saying, Hey, Christians, put this aside, put lying aside, put uh, anger away. Put away wrath. Put away hypocrisy. And this shows up in Peter's epistles and Paul's. Put these things away. The implication is that I'm tend, I tend to do that. If he's telling a group of Christians to, uh, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man the truth is his neighbor. Or put away um, you know wrath or be angry and sin. not. The implication is that I have a tendency to do that even though I'm a Christian. I have a tendency to be a hypocrite even though I'm a Christian. I can have a tendency to be um, to lie, even though I'm a Christian. Paul and Peter says, let's put that off now. We're Christians. We, so we're prone to this. <clears throat> and I got to say, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I need to put it away and desire the pure milk of the Word that I can grow up there by God's Word, having my eyes and ears My eyes and ears, my mind and heart in it will help purge me of that leaven. What else? Sometimes, um, well, this is the thing. He says, put it off. It needs to be put off, put away. How many of us have any old decorations still up in our house? Just Come on, let's confess. Anybody have old decorations still up? I mean, I told you one time my wife and I visited this lady. It does, does Stefan, Susie, were you pointing him out? No? Okay. <laughs> I wanted to pick on somebody. Come on. I remember my wife and I visited this lady one time, and she actually used to go to the church, but we visited her, and it was like in July. And um, we were looking, she was standing there talking to us at the door, and I'm like, oh, you still got your Christmas trip. She goes, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I still got it up. I'm probably just going to leave it up the rest of the year, you know. And by the way, if somebody, I think one of the families does that, if you want to do that, that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But it was funny when I saw her do that. I'm like, oh okay, she's gonna do that, you know. I mean, probably maybe some of us will still be having some Christmas lights on our house by the time we get to May, you know. I don't know. But you know, you have that, you're like, wait, I gotta put these away. This is this has got to be put away from here. This is not needs to be out. Well the Lord says through Peter says, put away that hypocrisy. There's never a season for it. Put it away. And then practice sincerity. Look in Philippians. This is what we need to do as far as this whole subject goes. Is practice sincerity. Philippians chapter 1, 9 and 10. Philippians 1, 9 and 10. Paul is... Very. This is one of the very personal epistles that Paul has to this church. Sometimes Paul, like in Ephesians, when he writes to Ephesians, it's not so much. It's just a lot of doctrine. He's not addressing kind of the, the personality of the church. But in Philippians, it's very personal. He's dealing with even particular people. He identifies and talks more heart to heart. If I could say it that way, to the personality of the church. And here he tells them how he's praying for them. Philippians chapter chapter one. Um, in fact, let's look at verse 8 to 10. For <coughs> Philippians 1, verse 8. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Then this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in all no, in knowledge and in all judgment. What else does he pray for them? That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So Paul prays for the Christians, several things he prays for, for the Philippians, that they would be sincere. That means genuine, true. Remember, we've talked about this before. It doesn't matter if... Uh, and by the way, if anybody has grass like this, that's fine. But I realize that it doesn't matter. Sometimes people think if, if I have real grass, as long as it looks like I got real grass, Right? It doesn't matter if these flowers are real, as long as it looks like they're real. And I'm against some of those things, that's fine. But sometimes we carry over that mentality, again, into our Christian life. It doesn't matter, you know, how if I, um, if I have a bad attitude elsewhere, as long as it, people think I have a good attitude. It doesn't matter if I, if I dress every, immodestly every other place in my life, as long as I do it here so people think I am. You know, we get like that, and that's hypocrisy and I got to put it away and I need to be sincere in every aspect of my life. I do and you do. That's the kind of Christianity that Jesus was forging those 3 years with those disciples. <clears throat> so, let's look in look at another passage. Go to 1 Timothy I'm sorry, let's it's 2 Timothy. I'm looking for this statement in the That yeah, is 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1. And Paul expressing his affection towards Timothy. Look at verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> he says, 2 Timothy 1, Paul says, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You know what Paul's saying here? Paul's writing to Timothy, who we believe was a pastor, and he says, boy, i really like to see you, Timothy. I can't wait to see you. I'm I'm so happy when I think about you and your family. I remember your unfeigned faith. Now, unfeigned means unfaked. I remember your unfaked for your genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. Now it's in you. That's interesting. Sincerity can be passed along too. Just as hypocrisy can spread, you can kind of, I got to watch my life, my lifestyle, that I don't teach my kids to be hypocrites by my lifestyle. Teach my kids that we live one way at home, another way at church, another way in front of people, that Christianity should be consistent across everywhere I go. I can teach by in a way in a hypocrisy. But the other way the other is true, I can teach sincerity. And somehow Timothy learned that from his grandmother, genuine faith. His mother had genuine faith, unfeigned faith. And it was also in him as well. So, I want to, in order to put off hypocrisy and involves practicing sincerity. Being consistent with my Christianity wherever I go. <clears throat> um, practice what we're learning here wherever we go. Practice that. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, as Brother Corey really indirectly prayed today about not just looking and saying, this is interesting, but practicing our Christianity everywhere we go. You're sure to eliminate so much hypocrisy. And then when we fail, if you can be a person who's honest and confesses their faults, that helps eliminate hypocrisy too. I've I found that we all are going to fail. We're going to eventually uh, sin, or or develop some hypocritical habit. And when we do, I got to say hey to the people around me that maybe I've sinned against. I'm sorry, that was wrong. And <clears throat> and let the genuine Christianity that Jesus intends to come out. Um, so, I remember um, my wife's—I don't—I never got to meet him, but my wife's grandpa, his name was Roger Boyd, um, and he, in fact, my son Gideon, his middle name is Boyd. We named it after him. So it was Roger and Carrie, right? So, so that would be Mrs. Roy, my mother-in-law's parents, <clears throat> and they came, I think, from Texas, then New Mexico, then. I don't know, maybe in the 50s or 60s, they moved to to Tucson. The Boyds, my mother-in-law's family, <clears throat> Roger and Carrie, and they had four four girls, four daughters. And Roger was at, some of you might know, New Testament Baptist Church in Tucson. Um, Dr. J.C. Joyner started that church years ago, and um, he actually just passed away, I think, a year or so ago, after over 50 years of pastoring. But But New Testament Baptist Church in Tucson was started in the early years. My wife's grandparents began attending there. And um, they began attending, and I think there was a conversation that went along the lines of this when they started attending. Um, Pastor Joyner visited with Roger and Carrie, and, and he said something to the effect of, you know, yeah, Pastor Jordan, we like the church. We just don't see a lot of young people here, and we'd like to kind of get a place where there's some, maybe a youth group and some young people. And uh, and he said, well, why don't we start with you guys? Okay. You know, why don't we start with your family? And he's like, oh, ah, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. And so they did. They stayed. And my mother-in-law and I think some of her sisters were in the youth group, and I think maybe her older sister was already older. And they helped kind of help get that church going. And Roger Boyd, my wife's grandpa, became, if I remember right, a deacon. <coughs> And um, and I believe it was at this church. Also, he was teaching Sunday school, and this is what my father-in-law told me. And this was probably in the early years. I think I'm pretty sure it was at New Testament. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was at the church he was at before that. But Roger Boyd, my grandfather-in-law, smoked. And um, and he, I, I don't know if he tried to quit or what. But he smoked, but he also went to church, tried doing his best raising his kids and was faithful. And he may have even been like a Sunday school superintendent. And he said one day that one, there was like a little boy, I think it was in his class, came up to him and said, I don't know if he smelled him or saw him smoking. He looked at him and he says, Mr. Boyd, I didn't know you smoked. And he's like, and I don't know what his words were, but that ended it right there. For him, according to what my father-in-law says. He's like, man, I am not going to smoke. This little dude's hung up on this. And he quit. And I'm sure it was hard. And just became, of course, a a good, honorable man. He was in the stills before that, I think, but even more so, just purging that part of hypocrisy in his life, purging it out. And became an integral part of that church. Even to, I remember even for years, the pastor of this church, it became a large church. It's kind of gone down in the recent years, but Pastor Joyner often talked about, oh, I loved Roger and Carrie. You know, he loved my wife's grandparents. They were um, just good people and, and are faithful people to that church. But I think having him purge that aspect of hypocrisy out of his life really made a difference. Now, for some of us, it might not be that you smoke. It might be something else. Maybe something else that I mentioned. But either way, we want to be a good example and true and not hypocritical. And so let's, let's, just, let's just thank the Lord. Let's pause. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank the Lord for the truth that He's confronted us with and ask Him if there's hypocrisy in our life that we'll just confess and forsake it. And, and maybe He won't show it right away. But if there is that we confess and forsake it, we would be true to Him, because this is what Jesus wanted to purge out, and He wanted to forge true disciples. Lord, thank You for Your words, and I I pray for myself.